morning. And thank you, worship team, for that beautiful song. That is one of my favorite songs, God, Your Everlasting Light. It's uh, looking forward to the day that we will be with God and at peace forever, where He will be our light and He will be our guide, and we won't falter from that. It's a great, great thing to look forward to. So, welcome. Thank you for coming this morning. It's actually, we have a lot more people here this morning than I anticipated. You know, we had the double whammy of spring break and time change at the same time. And it's, it's encouraging that all of you ended up getting up an hour early to come and worship with us. Um, it's, uh, it was hard me to get up an hour early. So uh, I appreciate how hard it, it must be. Um, so for the past few months since uh, January, we've been in a series on the book of Ephesians. And we're actually coming into the close of the book fairly soon. We'll have uh, two more sermons after this one from the book of Ephesians. Last week, we heard from Pastor Wilson, and he preached on the, the last part of chapter 4, which is all about what it, uh, what it is to put off the old self and to put on the new. And we're continuing that, that line of thought today in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. So, I'll pray, and then we can get started. Father, Lord, we, we thank you for this day. Even though it's spring break week, even though it's time change, you have called us here to worship you. And you've done that because you are gracious and merciful and you know that we need reviving. You know, Lord, that we need refreshment of seeing our great and glorious Savior, that we need the refreshment of being in your presence and in the presence of other believers. Lord, it is a wonderful, merciful, great, and awesome thing that you have called us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for being our true food, for bringing our true drink, that you are manna from heaven and water from the rock, and that you, you let us feast on you every week, every day, every hour, that you are there for us because you love us. Holy Spirit, We thank you. We thank you for inspiring Paul to write this great book to the believers in Ephesus. And we thank you that you are here with us now, ready and willing to illumine our hearts and our minds to the great truths herein. Lord, as we turn to study your word, 
do ask to be clean. That when we listen to it, that we not go away unchanged. Because that would mean that we didn't we didn't meet you here when we want to meet you. Amen. So, this weekend was kind of a special week at the Averill House. Uh, my son, Jake, uh, he turned four um, just this past week, and we had a birthday party for him, and it was great. And it's always great to see him just going around, just running around, and having fun. But one of the things that comes up day in, day out, it's just kind of standard at his age, is he's always saying how much he wants to be like me. Which, I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, why would you want to be like me, little boy? But no, I am his father and he loves me. And so... Every day, he's saying, Daddy, Daddy, when I grow up, I'm going to preach like you. Daddy, Daddy, when I grow up, I'm going to eat meat like you. <laughs> Daddy, when I grow up, I'm going to be tall like you, which is laughable because I'm like 5'7". But for him, I'm tall. And it makes me smile, and he feels the pleasure of that, and it's a wonderful thing. Now, that relationship that I just described, we all want that. We all long for that. In fact, even if we didn't have good family lives growing up, even if we didn't have good fathers, good mothers, we were still seeking out, seeking out role models. People that we could look to and we could pattern our lives after their lives. Teachers that we had. Siblings, uncles, aunts. Great men of faith by reading biographies. People that we could just look at their lives, study what they did, and follow after them. And... That is what Paul is picking up here in, in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. He wants us to look at God in that same way. That same way that Jake looks at me and wants to be exactly like me. And Paul says, that is how we are to look at God. So, please stand as we read God's word, our passage today, like I said, is Ephesians 5. It's verse 1 through 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. 
For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Thus far, the reading of God's word, all men are like grass, and all their glories are like the flowers of the field. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but not God's word. It stands forever. So let us turn our attention to it. You may be seated. So, Paul starts out this passage here saying that we are to be imitators of God. And we're going to explore that in three ways. We're going to look at what the works of darkness are. We're going to look at what the works of light are. What does light accomplish? And we're going to look at what does it mean to walk as the light. So, the works of darkness. So, we have, starting in verse 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which is out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or in, or is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, Paul lists a lot of things here, and Wilson actually went over all of these, I, th I think, fairly well last week, and so I'm only going to touch on them. I'm not going to explore them deeply like he did, but he lists, first off, three things, sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness. And he says that they must not even be named. Now, what is sexual immorality? That's, that's, for our purposes, it's everything that would break the commandment. Do not commit adultery. What is impurity? Like all of the commentators say that that is impure thoughts. That's lustful thoughts for other people. 
covetousness. Again, that's anything that you desire and covet that someone else has. And it, again, breaks one of the commandments. And so we have two of those things that he listed that explicitly break the Ten Commandments. And we have one that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that if you do it, if you have impure thoughts for other people, if you lust after other people, you have already committed adultery with them. And so it, it's quite simple to understand why they must not even be named. They must not be named because we are children of God. And to live in a way that explicitly breaks the Ten Commandments and to have that be okay, that cannot be in our body. But what about, what about that uh, section about filthiness, fool, foolish talk, crude joking? Why is, it, why is it that we shouldn't have that among us? Why shouldn't we make crude jokes? Well, it doesn't break any explicit commands, not in, not in the way of the commandments anyway. But Jesus says two things that I think shed some light on this. In Matthew chapter 12, he says that even our foolish words will be judged in the judgment. We will be held to account for everything that we say, especially all of our foolishness. And he says in Luke chapter 8 that it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of a man, particularly what comes out of his mouth. And so we see that the reason why we shouldn't have filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking is because that this does not actually build up the body. Most of this book has been all about building up believers, building up believers in Christ, revealing to them their union with Christ, and then revealing to them their union with other believers so that they can build up other believers in Christ. And these things don't accomplish that. In fact, all they do is serve to inflame our improper desires. They don't build up, but they, they end up tearing down the body of Christ. But there's, there's a bigger why there as to why we, we don't do these things. And that bigger why goes back to that first statement by Paul that we are to be imitators of God. Look at verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. So, whenever we do these things, we are in essence what Paul says, we are becoming partners with the sons of disobedience. Now, who are the sons of disobedience? Back in chapter 2, we learned that the sons of disobedience are the sons of the prince of the power of air. Well, who is that? That's Satan. 
And so whenever we commit any of these sins, we are actually partnering with the sons of disobedience. And we are not imitating God, but we are imitating Satan. We're imitating their father, not our father. Now, Paul makes a point here in verse 6. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Now, we might think, well, of course, Jason. Of course, we, we, we shouldn't commit adultery. We shouldn't covet. We shouldn't do anything that's against the Ten Commandments. And we shouldn't, you know, tear other believers down by our talk. But he says that the sons of disobedience actually work to deceive us in order to get us to do those things. How do they do that? Well, it's the same age-old way that Satan has always tempted people into sin. He tempts people into sin by telling them, did God really say that? Did God really say don't commit adultery. Well, yeah, he did. Okay, but didn't Jesus come to fulfill the law? Yeah, he did. So that means that I don't have to fulfill the law anymore, so I can go out and sleep with whoever I want. That's In theological circles, that's called antinomianism. It's anti-law. It's saying that the law of God doesn't actually apply to us today, that it doesn't apply to believers, that it is of little use to us. And that spirit of antinomianism was alive and present in Ephesus, and it's alive and present today. How many times have we heard freedom in Christ? I'm free, I'm free in Christ, and therefore I can go and I can, I can get drunk if I want to. And I'm not going to be condemned. And that's true. You aren't going to be condemned if you are in Christ for doing stuff like that. But you are not actually imitating your father. So that's just touching a little bit on the works of darkness. But what about the works of the light? So what are the works of the light? Starting in verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So, what are the works of the light? It's, they are found in what is good and right and true. What is good and right and true? First off, it's God's law. It's God's character. The Ten Commandments as they are are actually a reflection of God's character. He's letting us know who he is by giving us that law. All of his commands, he's letting us know who he is. And we are to try to discern what is good and right and true and what is pleasing to him. Why? Because it's kind of hard to imitate somebody if you don't know who they are. The, now, the reason why my little boy 
can go around and say, Daddy, I want to be a preacher. Or, Daddy, I want to be tall. And those, those things. It's because he knows me. And the more and more we try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, the more we'll know him. Now, how do we do that? How do we discern what is pleasing to the Lord? Well, first off, it's to read the Bible. It's to, it's to read about what he has said about himself. And the more we learn who he is and how he loves us, the more we'll be able to pattern our lives after him. And there is a little bit of, of an inevitability here, okay? So it, Paul says in this very weird turn of language, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. It's not, it's not a choice that you have. You were darkness, now you are light. And he's saying, because you are light, live like it. Now, part of the work of light is, of course, to discover what is pleasing to the Lord and to shine that forth to the world. But there's another part that Paul mentions here, starting in verse 11. He says, no, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Now, exposing sin, that is part of what it means to be a child of light. That's part of what it means to have light work. That is how light works. When you go into a room and you flip on a switch, what does it do? Well, hopefully, if you have power, it illuminates the room. And that exposing is necessary. What does he mean by it, though? What does Paul mean by exposing? He means that we are to bring, well, it's really two things. First, as far as ourselves go, when we notice that we are no longer imitating God, but instead we are imitating Satan. When we notice that we're walking in those dark ways, when we've committed sin, we don't try to hide it. Instead, we bring it to light. We bring it to God. That's part of why we do a confession of sin every week, because we know that if we don't confess our sin, if we don't bring our sin into the light, then it will fester and it will take us over and it will grow and grow and into this big nasty mess and so we don't let that happen we go to God in confession we go to each other in confession we confess our sins to one another because that gives us power over the sins. There's another way, though, the second way that Paul talks about exposing. It's exposing the sins of other people. But 
Jason, that seems really awkward and painful. You know, how am I to actually go to somebody and confront them about their sin? You know, why would I even do that? Maybe it'd just be better to just ignore it, just to sweep it under the rug. Maybe that would be better. But I assure you, it won't be. Because the same thing about exposing your sin holds true with exposing other people's sin. That as you expose other people's sin, you actually act as an agent of healing. When you bring their sin to the light, they can be healed from it, and it will no longer fester, and it will no longer poison them, and it will no longer poison your relationship with them. It's very necessary, even though it's very uncomfortable, very necessary. There's also this evangelistic feel to it as well. Because it's not just exposing the sin of believers, it's exposing the sin of the world. This is why he says in verse 14, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What's the word picture that he's giving here? He's giving a word picture of Christ being the light. Shining on unbelievers. Bringing them from the dead. And then he says earlier that they are light. If you have been raised from the dead, if you are a Christian, you are light. And you are part of the way that Christ is shining on the world. It's kind of like, just to to give another analogy, another word picture. Um, If you remember the Christmas Eve service any Christmas Eve service that we might have had. Okay, so it starts out with the lights up, and then as we go through the service progressively, the lights get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, and eventually there's only the Christ candle that's lit. And then at the very end of the service, the ushers come up, and they light their candles from the Christ candle. And pretty soon, the darkness gets moderately brighter. But then they go row by row by row. And one person lights another person's candle. He lights another person's candle. He lights another person's candle. And pretty soon, even though you're only using candlelight, the entire sanctuary is luminous and brilliant. And that's the word picture here. That Christ, as the light of the world, shines upon unbelievers, makes them believers, raises them from the dead, and then they shine out his light upon the world, one after another after another. So, okay, so that's what the light does. How is it then that we walk in the light? What does it mean that we walk as light. Starting in verse 15. Excuse me. I'm very parched right now for some reason. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Look carefully how you walk. So part of what it means to walk as the light is to actually have this self-consciousness. To understand that as you go about your life, that you actually are trying to imitate God. He says, look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise people. Making the best use of your time. I like how the old translations translate that. They say, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. Now, I've gotten the question before, doesn't that mean that we should never have any leisure? Doesn't that mean that every, every hour, every second of our day should be filled with the study of God's word or the singing of his praise or something like that? And the short answer is no. That's not what it means. The long answer is we know that's not what it means because Part of the commandments, part of who it is to be God that he has given us, part of what he has shown himself to us as, includes a Sabbath rest. And the Sabbath rest is for worship of him, but it is also to relax, to experience his goodness. In fact, in the Old Testament, the Sabbath rest went even beyond, you know, just the weekly Sabbath. They had the weekly Sabbath, and then they had a yearly Sabbath, which they would celebrate for one week. And then they had one Sabbath called the Year of Jubilee, in which for an entire year, all they would do is celebrate who the Lord is and rest. And in fact, they weren't even allowed to plant crops. They had to store up over... 49 years leading up to that 50th year, they had to store up food so that they would have enough to get through. And so, no, redeeming the time doesn't mean devoting every second to the study of the word, though that wouldn't be a bad way to redeem the time. No, redeeming the time means that there are no wasted moments. It means that you are actively trying to root out any sin in yourself. At all times. That you're constantly vigilant because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, he says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Again, how do you understand what the will of the Lord is? Through prayer, through study of scripture, through knowing more and more who Jesus is. So, I hear you saying, Jason, I hear all of this, you know, I hear all of these do's and don'ts. You know, I have a, an entire list of stuff that I'm not supposed to do and an entire list of stuff that I'm supposed to do. But how, do, how is it that I actually do it? How do I accomplish that? 
How do I walk as light, Jason? Well, it all goes back to the first sentence and the last. Paul starts out saying, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then he ends by saying, be filled with the Spirit. Nobody is filled with the Spirit of their own choice. That's, that is always an act of God to fill them with the Spirit. In fact, in here it's be filled. That captures that passive tense. It's not something that people do for themselves. It is something that God does. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. How do we do it? We do it by remembering, first off, the love that Christ showed for us. That while we were still in darkness, he came as the light of the world to awaken us, to revive us. He came to take all of that darkness upon himself and completely and utterly dispel it with his work on the cross. That he did not only just take the punishment of all of your sin, but he took all of your actual sin. And he gave you instead his righteousness. You remember that. You feast on that. You dwell in that daily. Every day. Every moment. Every breath. And you give thanksgiving out of that. You let that motivate your heart to sing to God. I love how he puts it right at the end. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, it was interesting, just, just yesterday, Esther, was my wife, Esther, was reading me something uh, that she had found online about um, brain scans that they had done on people who were singing. And all of this came about in the wake of covid because people were stuck in isolation. And you had all of these stories about uh, particularly people in Italy who would sing together one balcony to another. That they would commune together in song. That's the communion that God has for us. That's the communion that he gives for us in worship. And those brain scans revealed something interesting interesting to how God actually constituted our being, that people, whenever they sang, they would feel closer to one another. And all of the endorphins in their head started firing off as they sang together. That they started to mimic each other's brain waves. Isn't that weird and interesting and awesome that that's how God constituted us? 
He constituted us in such a way that as we sing together, as we address one another in worship, as we make melody to him, that we actually get more unified, more stuck together, more of one mind. That's why we sing in worship. We have an entire book of, of hymns in the Bible called Psalms. love that our God is a God that loves us worshiping him. So as we close today, what are some practical things? People always want practical things. I can't get any more practical than remembering that God loves you. I can't get any more practical than remembering day by day, moment by moment, reminding yourself all the time that Christ came to you for you. Took your sin from you and atoned for it on the cross. I can't get more practical than that. And it was his doing. It was not yours. And because it was his doing and not yours, it's not something you can lose. It's not something you can give up because he made the choice. And because he made the choice, you make the choice for him. Read the Bible. Inflame your love for Jesus. That's the most practical you can get. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you draw us here to worship and that you do that all because you desire to bless us, to give us refreshment, to build us up in your son. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for worship. Lord, as we leave, would you ask that you direct our eyes Savior every moment of every day let us never forget never forget all of the work that he went through all to claim us as a people for himself 